but it's right where you are. And self-centeredness is sort of a, a bastardized version of that. It's trying to say it's right where you are, but the R that you, you're at is this, yeah? This, and it's a mental idea. That's a whole different kind of centeredness, yeah? The other centeredness is much more diffuse and uh, expansive instead of contracting and, and focused, yeah? Self-centeredness, obviously, is like a magnifying glass. Yeah. When you magnify your attention on something, you don't realize all the attention is being magnified back on you. So you start living in like a like one of those funnels where everything pertains to you as a self. So there's this huge thing going on, and yet it all gets sucked to this one point of how it pertains to you as this. It's an insane claustrophobia. Yeah. It's like having a, a, the mind as a marathon runner in a closet just looping in a little two-by-two two closet all day, it's going to freaking go crazy. It's going to produce neuroses, and it's going to get really strange. <laughs> and it's going to be entertaining some really insane ideas, like, what did that person mean by saying hello to me today for five hours? You know, or, <laughs> so my pants seem to be too long. What's my zipper down? Or, what about that pimple? It looks like Mount Everest. No one even notices, but you're sitting there, closing one eye to see it, and it's like a giant mountain ridge on this, you know, it's like, Noticing this, you know, it all gets it's just like this incredibly diffuse mind is being contracted and magnifying this one idea of being Paul. It just burns Paul up, yeah. If you take yourself to be that Paul, you're going to be burnt up. The whole point of getting relief from the bondage of self is that that contraction of attention and interest expands again. Let's, if you want to call it to a natural size, let's just say it's a different size, it just expands out of this focus point. Yeah? And then you feel what you feel, like lighter or bigger or your sense of presence. Yeah? That's one of those are the common like interpretations of, of having that contraction expand. You feel, man, I feel much bigger today. I feel much lighter. I feel I sense even a presence that I wasn't sensing before. What what is the presence just appearing now? Yeah. Is the smallness having an experience of the lightness and the bigness? No. There's a bigness, and then there's an interpretation from the point of view of the smallness. And so the bigness gets claimed by the smallness, and now it's an experience the smallness has, and then the smallness, in a weird way, over wraps itself around the bigness. And you neuter it. The freedom is always available at all times. It's right underneath our nose, and yet our nose gets, grows around it, and then snorts it up, in a sense. It makes it an experience. Yeah. I had this incredible epiphany today, and man, I can't wait to have another epiphany. <laughs> well, the whole point was, the epiphany was a, a very obvious uh, absence of the sense of self. That's what it is. Yeah. It's when the sense of self arises and grabs the attention, and then, then borders, then bookends the epiphany with, I was there before the epiphany, I am here now at the epiphany, therefore I'm the one who had the epiphany. Yeah, that's what it does. Yeah. It claims unclaimed territory. It's, it, it, it's, 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 it's incredibly outlandish uh, movement of claiming overreaches its sense. Of, it overreaches quite a lot. It says, I'm the one who's conscious. Yeah. I'm the one who's seeing, feeling, tasting, touching, and smelling. And therefore, I can be unconscious, or I can be working on becoming more conscious. 
But the whole point is, if you just recognize that there's consciousness, it would take you out of that ball game of close and far, connected and disconnected. And then your condition wouldn't be based on your condition. You know, your mental condition, like that song used to say, I'm checking in to see how my, how my condition is, my condition is in or something. That's a great song. What kind of condition my condition is in? That's sort of what it's like. The mind just checks its condition and tells, it tells itself what kind of condition it's in. Yeah? <laughs> but the point is, consciousness overrides all that. Yeah? Consciousness precedes it. Everything else is an afterthought. The first, the, the initial contact and the only contact is consciousness. Everything else is a mental interpretation. The mind is not, not having contact with the experience. It's interpreting the experience. The experience is brought to us by conscious contact. Consciousness and contact. Yeah? Consciousness <coughs> and contact. You, know. Consciousness, yes. You are an afterthought that the mental process has tagged on to consciousness. Yeah? The consciousness doesn't even know what's on there. It's like having an ant on an elephant's back. Consciousness has no idea the mental process has done this, and it could care less because it doesn't see the mental process or anything. But when our attention and interest is absorbed in the mental process, then we take ourselves to be that, and we forget that we're conscious. Yeah. And then all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Then time springs up. Because for you to override consciousness, there's got to be a strong sense of self, and you can only have a strong sense of self by remembering it. Yeah? You don't get a strong sense of self of being here now. It's not producing a sense of self, is it? This moment, this sense of being alive is not producing a sense of self. The mental process produces the sense of self. Yeah? And it can't produce it now, so it produces it while now is happening with a there and then. It remembers itself, and then it remembers itself by thinking about itself in the future. That's what it does. And so it produces like a bogus sense of self, or a bogus sense of being on, or onness, or whatever you want to say. A recognition of awareness, or just onness. It, it produces a bogus one. It claims that onness, and it calls it you. Yeah? And then the you isn't a you because it separates this you from all the other yous and says it and crowns it the royal crown of me. <laughs> yeah? And then it all becomes about me. And in all this, all this world of yous is only one me. <laughs> Yet everyone in this room doesn't see me as me. They see me as a you. <laughs> I don't give a shit about that. You can bring 8,000 people here and have them see me as you. I'm still going to proclaim on me. 800,000. Hey, you! What? Oh, it's me! <laughs> I don't care what you think. It's me. Yes. how your mind separates itself. Mm -hmm. 
Once it separates itself and lives from there, it just rips on it. It's like giving John Coltrane a, a, a theme to riff on called separation. Yes, there you go. Look at your day. That's its riffing right now. You're right in the middle of John Coltrane's solo. <laughs> I'm never going to be loved, or I was loved, but it will never happen again, or it wasn't the right love, or I really blew the love. <laughs> it's just riffing. And then my just, it just runs this stuff, and our attention and interest seems to have no ability to stop being glued to it. Why? Why is, what's, what's that attraction to all that? It's about you. That's the whole point of the message. If you're not that, your mind will lose interest in it. It's not saying you've got to work hard to stop that process. Good luck. It's like trying to stop your nervous system or your digestion system. Yeah? You're not going to stop your thoughts. They're not your thoughts. They're a mental process that's going on just like your digestive process is going on. That's what it does. Yeah? But the, the disengagement isn't that it stops, is that the mind loses interest in it. That's where the disengagement lies. The mind loses interest in the thoughts because they're not about me anymore. Yeah? And they're not mine. That's how it works. Once you start losing interest, what's going to stop that from continuing to lose interest? What? Yeah? Once it entertains the possibility, hey, I'm not that, that's like an infinite entertaining. I'm not that. It's not like I'm not that. I'm going to entertain it on Saturday, you know. I got a couple hours. I'm not that, you know. Get a little bit of space. But then the rest of the week, I'm that, I'm that, I'm that, I'm that. No. Entertaining I'm not that just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Because why? That is constantly being expressed. You see it. You see its construction. It's, it's a never-ending like message of I'm not that. So it's not a remembering of what I am. You remember what you are by seeing what you're not. And it's happening all day. It's very difficult to get a, to get a, a, like a, a memory of what you are to remember. It's impossible, really. But you can get a constant message of what you're not. Just watching you or going and listening to other people, you'll see it, hear it all day. Yeah? And every time you hear it, there's a part of the mind that goes, I'm not that. I'm not that. Bing! Yeah? And that little, I'm not that, reverberates and just keeps reverberating. Because it's going to be seeming like you're that, you're that, you're that, they're that, they're that, they're that, this is that, 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 yeah? It's going to constantly, it's constantly going to be betrayed in that, that color, yeah? And there'll be a, not a mental denial of it, but a denial of it. You'll realize I'm not that. It's not like you're shutting the door on it or regretting it, you're just recognizing I'm not that, yeah? And after a while, it's not, there's no acknowledgement that there's any you recognizing it. There's just a recognition of I'm not that. That's the freedom from the bondage of self. Yeah. So when the thoughts arise, they're not held as yours, and they're not about you, they don't have their incredible trance-like effect anymore. Yeah. Because as you realize, once you get free from it, from the solution, that's how you learn about the problem. From the solution, you realize the thoughts have no power in and of themselves. It's the my of the thought that does it. Yeah? Because most of us are having the same thoughts. They're all wrapped in a language called English. Yeah? And we're all having the same thoughts, but they're having varying degrees and effects on the person that seems to be having them. So obviously, it can't be the thought, because the thought would have the same quality. Yeah? If the thought was what was affecting you, then that thought would affect everybody. Yeah? Wouldn't it? 
So it's not the thought that has the quality or the influence or the power to affect. It's the mind. It's the thinker of the thought. Yeah? And the thinker is the oldest thought of all. So if you question that, hey, I may not, I'm not saying, don't make it like an affirmation. I'm not the thinker. I'm not the thinker. That's just the other side of I'm the thinker. It's just questioning him. Am I the thinker? Yeah? Just see. If I'm not that, you'll find out what it's like not to be the thinker. You'll be able to travel lighter through the thought system. Yeah? The thought system wouldn't be, it's not going to be like the blaring megaphone it seems to be calling that every time the parade seems to be going this way, it goes make a left, the whole parade goes that way. No, now the parade just keeps on going. And it's going, make a left, make a left, you better make a left. And you know the parade just keeps going. You have an immunity to the thought system. Something else is now directing your life. Yeah? And you'll see it by its fruits, if it works or not. And then it's just common sense to align yourself with what seems to be working than with what's not working. Yeah? Instead of going to a well with a lot of hope and you know deeply there's no water in it, you stop putting your pail down that well. Yeah? You go to a stream that's constantly running and you drink from there where there's no quantity that it's going to run out, where there's no rope and there's no effort. It's just running. That's its nature, is to flow and you participate in that. So now you're traveling lighter on a consistent basis. And then I, then you find all your ideas of enlightenment and all like that were just rooted in the desire to travel lighter. That's what I find. I, that's what I believe you're going to find out. The need to be liberated will be dropped. All these needs will be dropped because what needs to be liberated isn't you. What needs to be liberated is not you. So when you realize it's not you, the need to be liberated goes with it. The need to be enlightened goes with it. Yeah? Dog shit awareness is just fine. You're conscious all day. It's quite fine. You're quite satisfied. And then, of course, you realize finally the only answer to dissatisfaction is satisfaction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not knowing why you're dissatisfied. That's not going to really help unless it leads to satisfaction. And you've got to realize, like it says in recovery, self-knowledge will avail you nothing. So if you learn why you're dissatisfied, you still may be dissatisfied. What the hell is it doing? It's like being a professor of holes, but you keep falling in holes. All the knowledge about holes is in keeping you out of the hole. What's the point of the knowledge? Recovery says self-knowledge avails you nothing, because that's knowledge that's offered to us, and then the selfing, the idea of being a self, claims it. As soon as it claims the knowledge about itself, it's neuters the power of the knowledge. It's not going to lead to freedom from self. You're now going to be more bonded with an idea that I could be a free self. That's the drag. The selfing takes that noble desire for freedom and now it wants to be free. And you're never going to be free as a self. You'll just be bonded to the new uniform you rise to. Maybe instead of wearing black jackets and tacks, you'll be wearing white robes and patchouli oil. But you'll still have an identification and you'll still be rooted in the identification. And it goes on and on, up the scale. Demigod, any identification of self, there's a form of bondage there. The freedom is not to be free as a self, but free from the idea of being a self. And the idea of being a self is constantly being blown up and re-engaged with and reinforced all day. It's not like you were ever bonded to self. It wasn't like, oh... 
1983 was the day I was bonded to self. I was enslaved to self, and I had a 25-year sentence, and I've been trudging through the slavery of self since then. And I'm hoping I can get a probation or parole like 2015, which always gets put off. You know, 2000. When I go to that retreat, when I do this, when I do that. No, it's an activity. In a sense, you're either dying as a self right now, or you're dying to the self. It's as simple as that. If you're dying as a self, your interest and intention is engaged with the idea of being a self through the thought system. But when you're dying as a self, you have immunity to the thought system. You don't know what you are, you don't know what's really going on, and you don't really care. Yeah? You know you're flexible enough to meet whatever shows up, because you've been flexible enough to meet whatever shows up. Your knowledge and your faith is not based on fucking hearsay and books and advertising. It's based on experience. You've, you've relied on certain principles. They've worked over and over again. And now it's dispelled all the anxiety about them working anymore. Because now you're assured they will. And you come to peace yeah, as peace from peace. You can't come to peace as self from self. Yeah? You're not going to get it. Selfing is agitation. It's a desire that's thwarted, and therefore it keeps on desiring. And it never can get fulfilled. It's like any other addiction. The mind's addiction to the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, either a, either a mental idea that has a body, a spiritual concept of a soul that's in a body, somehow or another, it's a configuration of a mental process that's identified as something that it's not. Yeah, That's what selfing is. It implies that there's a self. There's never, it can never make a self. It can only infer that there's one, point to, assume, uh, insinuate, yeah? But if you never follow it, follow its little pointing, there's no one there. What happens is it points and points and points, and through freaking repetition, your mind gets in the habit of making the leap into taking itself to be what it, you believe it's pointing at. So with action is seen, there must be an actor. Yeah? Thinking, there must be a thinker. Feelings, there must be a feeling. Feeler. That's the mental process called selfing. That's the product of it. What would happen if you saw the process and didn't buy the product? That would be very enlightening. You would see it. You would see how the selfing's made up. That it can't be here, so it can only be, re be remembered to be there and, then, and will be there. It can only be remembered in the past and worried about in the future, which is another form of remembering. That's all it is. And then you have a sense that it's here now. It's like, I was there, I will be there, I, therefore I am here now. That's all it does. It's a fucking simple little logic, and it's like a groove in a record, it can, can't get out of it. And you cannot move the groove. You cannot move the needle. Self cannot get out of self. Because self is a product of a mental process that can never transcend the process that's making it. It can't. It doesn't exist. Yeah? It can only appear to exist. It, the, most, the highest level it can reach is appearance. It cannot pass that point and become. Yeah? It's not complete, and it will never be complete. That's agitation. So it's desiring to become, and then it really tricks you by believing that you are something and you're trying to not become that. Yeah? It's incredible. It has a desire that it wants to be something, but then it assumes it is something like a loser, let's say, and it wants not to be a loser. So it's trying to unbecome and become all day, like a slinky. Yeah? So if it desires to become, 
The other tale of I want to not become, I want to not be this comes up. Then it wants to be this, and then I don't want to be that, and then this, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. It's just like if you ever shot coke. There's not one time I've ever met a coke addict that finally did one big shot of coke and blessed cocaine and thanked it, had wrote a gratitude list, thank you cocaine, <laughs> sat there and said, walked away and was blissfully stabilized and serene cocaineness. No, it goes on and on and on and on and on, and it actually gets more empty the more and more you do. That's exactly what selfing's like. The more and more selfing goes, the emptier and emptier your life seems to feel. Yeah? The more and more you're driven to try to fill it up from outside. Yeah? And has it ever worked? Therefore, how can you make the leap that it's going to work? It's all based on fucking faith. And we're just trying to shift the faith of mind and put it into a reliable vehicle instead of a failed vehicle. Because if you keep believing the thought system, you're going to get, keep getting the same results that the thought system have gotten before. Yeah? It's going to produce tons of anxiety with the hope that one day it's going to be great. Yeah? It's what it does. Right now, you're going to be in anxiety, but you're going to, well, well, I would stand this because I know I'm working towards a great moment of incredible <laughs> relaxation. Yeah? It's insane. It's like you're giving up today for this mythical tomorrow. <laughs> and when you arrive there, it's not there. It's here. And so you want to get out of here. You know? Move to another mythical there. You get to the mythical there, it becomes a year immediately. And then the insanity and addiction keeps going. And there's no end to it. There'll be an end to it. The body's going to stop. <laughs> and there is an end to it. Selfing is finite. And if you've ever run, let it run its course and had the seeing of it, it ends and then there's a huge sense of pause, yeah? Or the presence. And I feel that's, you really get a sense of what you truly are then, yeah? You see your original face like Zen says. The selfing is noticed. It's not like a lot of people, this is what happens. They come to these talks and they go, all right, they call me up and they go, oh, I've been selfing all week, yeah? That's not it. Here's the selfing. The unselfing infers that there's someone that it's happening to that's already popped up. That's the product of selfing. So the selfing seems to have worked it with them. <laughs> they now believe they're doing it, which is not the message. Or the self, or they take the other view of, you know, the selfing's driving me crazy, which is also the product of selfing. Yeah, the one who's doing it and the one who's being done to is the product of the selfing. I'm saying there is no noun. So that's selfing still. And every time it wants to pop up a, a someone that it's happening to or doing it, if you can see through it, it drops, and then sooner or later it's going to stop. Because it, it doesn't have an infinite amount of breath. It can't run its fucking race. It hopes to fool you very quickly. It's like a, marath it's like a, a, a dash runner, yeah? It wants to get you to believe something and act, and then it starts off this whole train of circumstances. Without that engagement, it peters out pretty fast, and then you see it for what it is. I'm not that. Yeah? The mind doesn't make the leap. Doesn't make the leap to take this conceptual idea of itself to be itself. It takes the seeing of that to be itself, which is, I'm not that. Yeah? It's just pointing. Yeah? There's no one that it's pointing to. Yeah? It could be pointing just like this. It doesn't matter. It's just going crazy. 
I'm the one who gives it direction. Goes, I'm here. Yes, I'm the one. I happen to lose it. I am truly never going to be loved. I know it. Yes. <laughs> this is what stabilizes it. It's not this. This is just going like a live wire, waiting for some connection. As soon as the mind makes it, goes, <laughs> then you get electrocuted by it. <laughs> but it's just, just trying to throw these wild things out. You're a loser, or you'll never be loved. No. <laughs> if you don't see it, it's just and then it runs out because it's your juice. You don't see where the plug is. The plug is in here. You, you're feeding this whole thing. Yeah, it's just seeking a little connection. So what happens then? Find out. Find out. That may be what you call nirvana. That may be satori. That may be freedom from the bondage of self. That's what it may be. Find out. You'll have it in your own gut, and then you'll know beyond freaking mental knowing, beyond reading, beyond all that other stuff. You'll have it in your gut, and you can go back to it, and it becomes reliable. You've seen the true nature of mind, which is that it's empty, yeah, and it's reflective. And you've seen this manifestation, which is energy. So all that's happening here, energy. All relationships are energetic bonding patterns, really. We think the surface is what's really happening. The bonding pattern is what's running the whole relationship with between two people. You don't see it, because where our eyes are trained to only see things. We're not seeing the real interface here, which is mind manifesting as energy. Yeah? And what does it do? Its nature is to reflect. So, if the mind is obsessed or being pointed at selfing all day, why do you think it's going to reflect what that selfing's inferring? It's going to produce a holographic image of you with the easy, accessible tool as a body, and there you are. Now you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity in this long-lasting, independent, separate place, trying to make your long-lasting, independent, separate plans of happiness work out. <laughs> and finding long-lasting, independent, separate hells <laughs> that you'd like to get out of as fast as possible. <laughs> you'd like to dump it on someone else. Give them your hell. Let's, let's get together. I'll change my hell with your hell. Come on. <laughs> I got a lot of hell to give you, honey. I'll call it love. I'm going to get hell. <laughs> I'll take a little of yours. You're going to get a lot of mine. <laughs> That's the plan. Because, I, you know, sense of entitlement. I'm special here. <laughs> you're so unique, bro. <laughs> if you're so unique, it's killing you. <laughs> when AA, when he came in, they say, you got to say... Your ass instead of your face, but I thought my face was my ass. <laughs> I really thought for a while I had to have a spiritual anatomy class. <laughs> no, Paul, this is what you want to save your ass. Forget the face. <laughs> it's not working, it has been working for a while, and it's probably never going to be working again. <laughs> Just give up the face and save your ass, which is deep listening and listening. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, your seeming face thrives when you're saving your ass. It does. <laughs> you actually seem to be more unique than you ever th- when you were thinking you were so unique. 
<laughs> you're more you're more like an individual when you're not an individual. <laughs> all your wishes you actually get in a way. You know, all those distorted little self-centered wishes actually happen. You feel love, but maybe not from a someone, but you feel it from your own sense. Yeah. Yeah. Much more reliable in a way. Instead of looking at what you can take out of things, maybe you'll look at what you can contribute to them. And these aren't things that are brought about by any effort or thought. They just happen when the mind shifts. That's all it is. The mind shifts. A mind shift can be as extreme as a sinner and a saint. That's as simple as that. A sinner can be a saint five years and a day and a couple of weeks. Yeah, the mind just shifts. The mind precedes all, you know. So this is just like, all right, am I happy with the way things seem to be? Am I traveling well? Am I comfortable in my own skin? Yeah, am I at ease in most situations? Have I, do I have the ability to respond to life, or am I stuck in a reaction to it? Just take a diagnosis and see. And if you do see those conditions seem to be prevalent, I bet you they can be rooted back to an identification as a self. So if you want relief from that, don't deal with all of that. Deal with the, the first knot. Question the first knot. If the first knot is truly the first knot, and a thread from it runs through all the other knots of your life, you'll know, because when this loosens up, the rest of your life should loosen up. It's just that simple, yeah? You should be able to travel through every circumstance in your life. doesn't mean your circumstances will change, but you'll travel lighter on them. Yeah? So it's not like changing the ball game, it's just changing how it goes for you. No one's here to change the ball game. That's like, that's like, a, that's like a freaking magical thinking trip, you know? You're going to have money constantly, and everyone's going to adore you, and you're never going to get sick. Maybe, maybe not. But who cares in a sense? Let's just travel lighter through whatever life has in store for us. Yeah, it's a much better insurance policy. So, see it, man. How could you ever have a feeling about you unless it was the thought system provoking you? Yeah? Would you be able to think about you in the past without the thought system? Does, do feelings conjure up the past for you? Probably not. Thoughts do, yeah? And how are you How are you pictured when the thought system thinks about you as a body, yeah? So the thought system sees you as a body. It sees the past and future more important than now, yeah? It uses the only thing there is, which is now, to dwell on the past and the future. <laughs> to do what? To reinforce the sense of being an I self. That's its main agenda with it, yeah? Do you think it's trying to set things straight in your life? Has it worked out? Going over what you used to do? Has it actually stopped you from making this same mistake 100% of the time? Thinking about how you did? Did you Have you learned from all your experiences? Yeah. Do you really need 70,000 thoughts a day to navigate through a Saturday? Do you? Do I need 70,000 thoughts to get through this day? Let's say I'm a house painter. Do I need 70,000 thoughts to do a paint job? I've never been surprised by walking into a room usually. Usually there's four walls and ceiling and some windows, you know. <laughs> Maybe I need about 15 thoughts to make it through a day. A couple of thoughts about where to eat, you know. Maybe I should get gas. And, you know, maybe I should charge the people more money to come up, whatever. But what are the 69,580-something other thoughts doing all day? What are they doing? 
Yeah? If this is supposed to be everything in nature is so practical, that seems like it's really impractical. That you have like 60,000 extraneous psychological thoughts about how you are, how you're going to be, how you were. I mean, it, it would seem to impede your growth here. It doesn't seem to be bringing us happiness, joyousness, and freedom, does it? It's not, I don't think it's bringing us much security when you have time is so dominant, where you're so anxious about the future. How can you actually enjoy security now? If you're secure now, if you've got this ever, ever impending, looming future of you. Yeah? How can you enjoy peace of mind if you have a tomorrow? How can you enjoy peace of mind today? You won't be enjoying it. It'll be like a rat eating the cheese while the light's on. You know? You know, trying to get as fast as it can because it's got to run underneath the refrigerator. It's always going to that impending feeling of it's not going to be here tomorrow. Yeah? It's going to be a dominant thing. How can you enjoy peace of mind then? What would happen if you were seeking peace of mind and it finally showed up? Wouldn't you try to grab it? And in the grabbing of it, wouldn't it not be there? And what would be motivating you to grab it? The fear that it wasn't going to be there tomorrow? And what would give that so much importance? The value of the thought system that you're relying on. Yeah? That tomorrow overrides now. What would happen if you had confidence that peace is always available and then peace was here today, right now? You'd be relaxing and enjoying it. Yeah? There wouldn't be a grasping for it. There wouldn't be a claiming of it. There wouldn't be trying to own it. There wouldn't be any method of trying to keep it here. You'd be willing. You'd, all the doors and windows would be wide open. It could come and go as it felt. Yeah? That's freedom. That's the freedom. Yeah? Freedom there cannot be any freedom in time. There can't be. The pressure of time is too much. And all the thought system is is time. Yeah? Everything that happens here is bookended. With it did ha- it did happen once, and I'm afraid it will happen again. How can you call that here? How can you call what we're calling here here? It's a mental here, full of there and then. You can't you can't go into this mental here and pick out the there's and then's, these thoughts of the past and the future out. If you pick it out, what will be there is what's really so truly there, and you won't even call it here. You'll be scared shit of it <laughs> because it will be empty. <laughs> and silence, and freaking vast. <laughs> and it will look, if you look this way, there's no end to it. If you look this way, there's no end to it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a mental here where most addicts want to get out of. That's what you're trying to get out of, is the mental here. It's been all constructed by a mind, a conditional mind that's gone a little astray. It's addicted to certain things. It's addicted to its idea of self. So its mental here becomes a hell. Unfortunately, we make the mistake they think it's here. And the here is where the solution is. The real here right now is the solution to the mental here. But the mental here makes sure you never go there. It never wants you to be here. The last thing it wants you to do is be here. It's trying to get you out. Do anything to get out of your skin right now. Get Do anything to forget what's happening. Do anything not to be here. And that's why, because the solution is really right here. Its whole stress, is that, its whole energy is to get out of your skin, when actually if you really drop into your skin, you wouldn't, you'd realize it's not your skin. And there would be the solution. Yeah. But as long as there's a sense of being Paul, from the mental point of view, it's always going to have to be worked on. It's always going to find fault. Yeah. It's always going to be an urban renewal project, never ending. 
never-ending budget, always constantly being absorbed in yourself, going over every little fucking thing, or trying not to go over every little fucking thing, which is still going over every little fucking thing. Yeah. This is a freedom from all that, a freedom, a paring down, and it, it's very economical. It's very, very... It's a paring down. It's like being on an operating table and never getting up. Having faith in the doctor, never taking yourself to be the doctor, and just letting life do what it's doing. And more and more gets revealed. Yeah. More and more gets revealed. And you just have an easier day, an easier way, every way and every day. So it sounds like a nice slogan, eh? An easier way, an easier day, an easier way every day. It's awesome. It's true, though. That's the point. Things blend into one. It's like you don't have a day or a Friday or a Wednesday. It becomes a life, and that's just the name, too. It's just a never-ending engagement until it ends. Yeah. So if you're addicted to anything and it's driving you crazy, the you that's being driven crazy is the original addiction. The original addiction is the mind addicted to the idea of being a self. That's the original addiction. All other addictions spawn out of that trying to get relief from that. You can never get relief from that because it can never be completed. You'll never be a self. It cannot find completion. There's never going to be a crescendo. There's never going to be a climax with a lull. It's always going to be an agitation, unbecoming and becoming, unbecoming and becoming. Yes? What we are is complete in and of itself. It's not of a thing. So it didn't start, it's not growing, and it's not going to end and pass away. It's not in it's not in a process to find fulfillment. It already is complete. It's whole in, in and of itself. You could call it being. Yeah? It's not becoming, it's not wasing, it's not willing. It's not doing and having to become, it's being and expressing through doing and having. Yeah? That being is complete, therefore it is not of time, because it doesn't need any time to come to completion. Yeah? It's not in any kind of process. So it overrides all of time. It overrides all achieving and acquiring and losing and forgetting and remembering. It's not of this place. And it's the only reliable thing because it's of no thingness in this place. It's the only place that truly rests your head. It's totally reliable. It'll be right there at all times until you die. And then when you die, it won't matter anyway. But while you're here, it will always be available always to be relied upon and never, never failing because it has no intention to succeed. It's just what it is. Yeah? And it just is the great leavening agent for this place. Yeah, All the highs and lows, it just travels through. All the ebbs and, you know, risings, it travels through. It's just... It's just... It's so ingrained here, you never even see it. Yeah? Can't notice it because it's never not been here. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't greet it because it's never visited and come. You know, it's never arrived here. 
you can't say goodbye to it because it never leaves. <laughs> All you can do is honor it and surrender and just, I don't know, and then more gets revealed. You get all this gets revealed, and then you get intimate of what you get an intimation of what it is. You can never get a sense of what it is really. It intimates itself here. It's always sort of whispering to you here. It's always implying. It's always like the uh, underlying uh, breath through all the winds of this place. Yeah, you just get it. You start picking up on it, and then that becomes a real love affair in a way. Hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. So, first thing for friend you left, but uh, first point of relief is just to start looking at the thought system and maybe question the mind of the thought system. Because the mind isn't seen, it's just a sense of how we hold the thoughts. Question that, yeah. If you can see that, just entertain. And alcohol meetings are the perfect, really good meetings to go to. Because you'll hear your thoughts and your feelings and your reactions to life shared quite a lot from a lot of different people. And you have to, it, it really smacks you in the face because how could these people have my thoughts, you know? And most of us have a sense of terminal uniqueness to one degree or another, but it's always there. That's what separation is based on. Yeah? terminal uniqueness. And so when you see that someone else is having your thoughts over here and your thoughts over there and your feelings and your feelings, you got to either come to two conclusions. How did they get my thoughts or they're not my thoughts? The day you entertain they're not your thoughts is a fucking nice day of reckoning. Because some light will show up in your life and you'll get a freaking sense of other possibilities. And you'll see, you'll get a light from, from that hasn't been adulterated by the thought system. Yeah, that hasn't been reflected or distorted or bounced off of some idea. They'll come in and it will it'll enlighten you. You'll see, Jesus, if these aren't my thoughts, then these feelings aren't my feelings. This body isn't my body. Yeah. This time isn't my time. <laughs> this isn't my place. Like like a talking head says, this is, is this my beautiful house? Is this my beautiful wife? No, it isn't. <laughs> and then, <laughs> same as it ever was. <laughs> Goes on and plays on and on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing is, when it's not your beautiful house, maybe you'll really enjoy that beautiful house. If it's not your beautiful wife, you may really appreciate her. If it's not your beautiful whatever, you may really go with it. Seriously, it's funny. You would think it would do the opposite, that you would have this this interest in everything. No, you have so much interest and attention, you never run out of interest and attention. Do you? Did you have to, like, you know, like, uh, save up on Wednesday and Thursday to have some attention for the weekend? No, no. You have plenty of attention. It comes this constant amount, there's a huge, infinite amount of attention and interest. It's just, it's not going to run out, yeah? So when it's freed from this bondage of self, you can't believe how much interest will arise. 
And some of the most little smallest things are so beautiful. You'll be captivated by a little crack in the, in the sidewalk, you know? And you'll see freaking life in, in, in like small scale happening right there. And you'll just be amazed. And you'll realize how freaking abundant everything is, you know? A plant pops up, it could just have one flower. There's 800 flowers popping up everywhere. It's just unbelievable expression. It's so abundant, yeah? Why isn't that, you know? Don't you see that could be a pale reflection of the mind itself? <coughs> that it can manifest in multi-faceted ways and on much so, so many sublime states of peace and, and relaxation and a sense of compassion for others and for the non-others, really. And all that, all those things. And it can go on and on and on and on and on. Mind, does it ever give up? It doesn't make one plant with one, with one flower, right? Does it just keep... Yeah, if you ever walked in Marin, it's unbelievable. Look at out there. It's like, every little piece of ground, things are growing and go moving to the light. That's, you know. I know, I see, I see those as little hints, you know. Hey, psh, hey, stupid, you little fucking biped. <laughs> Look down at us. You're worried about scarcity. Look at us. Pick one flower, you have 800 of them. Take more. <laughs> I can't give any of my attention away. It's got to be all for me. Everything else goes. The ocean. Everything's blown. It just blowing up in front of you. Take. Oh, I'm saving for that special someone. You step on it, walk right over. <laughs> because we're so separate. We think we're so separate, unique, different. Yeah, and everything's shouting at us, you know. Crazy, crazy place. So, yeah. Any questions today? No. I heard a comment the other day in a meeting. Well, I don't know the truth of it, but it sounds like it should be true, but it's not. A guy confronted Mahatma Gandhi one day. He said, "Look, you think you're pretty big. You big task. You're trying to push India from the British control." And he says, I have a bigger task than that. What's that? I want to reduce myself to nothing. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can say. No, I think it's 